Net-A-Porter presents. This is Pieces of Me, My Life in Seven Garments by Porter. I'm Editor-in-Chief Sarah Bailey. Pieces of Me is about celebrating women and the power of fashion, because clothes are never just clothes. In this series, we ask incredible women the all-important question, what were you wearing at the time? Roxander Ilinchik is a fashion designer with an artist's eye for bold, uncompromising colour. Born in Serbia, she studied architecture in Belgrade before following her dream to move to London and study fashion design at Central St. Martins under the brilliant, if formidable, eye of late Professor Louise Wilson. Roxander quickly established her own label in the East End of London, creating dreamy gowns in marker pen brights. An elegant rule-breaker, she rebelled against the dull colour palettes she saw on the runways and veritable sea of black on black on black in the front rows. Roxander has gone on to become one of the most beloved designers of the last decade, inspiring almost cult-like devotion from the women of style and substance the world over. There's something about a Roxander dress. I think because I'm a woman, I always had that kind of female perspective on what the dress should do, she says. I wanted to give women a certain power, a certain shelter and protection. It's about being their friend rather than being a dictator. Her inspiration is her mother, a former pharmacist with a passion for Yves Saint Laurent. Roxander remembers raiding her closet of dreams as a young girl, as she recalls in this episode. I am Roxanda, and these are the pieces of me. I had very, very happy childhood. Serbia puts lots of importance on families, not just with your direct family, but also with a, with a larger family. This is something that we take like a big pride and, and we spend a lot of time with each other. And, and so my, my memories for the childhood are very, very positive. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why I always have those kind of fond and happy memories from back home that I always try to incorporate in my work as well. And I kind of wanted to bring a certain elements that always remind me who I am, where I came from, and what made me who I am today. My mom is my huge inspiration. And if people ask me, who is your muse, I would always choose her. And the reason is very simple. When I was growing up in Serbia, she was just like loving to enjoy clothes, to to dress up, bring me in into that whole world that almost seemed like something better, something quite escapist in a way, because, you know, you, you could have a certain reality, but once you put a dress on or once I see my mom all kind of uh, beautifully dressed, coming to pick me up from school, and I always felt that tremendous joy and so, so proud to see her looking the way she did. And it was always something very reassuring in the way how she was dressed in a in a certain way that was always considered and, um, you know, involved uh, beautiful colors put together. And it's something that gave me a strength to use colors as well later on in my work and to not be ashamed that I'm a woman, that I'm feminine, that I want to show my femininity as well. I think there's many, many elements that I literally was growing up with that later on I used in my brand because they were so familiar and they felt that it's just something that comes natural to me. 
she was pharmacist, but then later she moved into PR uh, for pharmaceutical company. So her actually world became very much about traveling and coming back from those trips, she would usually bring most magical dresses and gowns and pieces of clothing that at the time to me labels didn't mean anything, but just the pure joy of how they look and how she looked in them was enough for me to brighten up and be transported almost in a different world. And, uh, you know, she had a soft spot for Yves Saint Laurent as well and his, kind of some of his pieces. And I remember when she was at one of those trips and I was already kind of slightly older and I was going to like a party and wanted to impress my peers. And I kind of used to borrow uh, or shall I say, I'll steal pieces from her wardrobe and just uh, customize them to whatever event I had at the time. Unfortunately, picked up one of those Yves Saint Laurent pieces that I sadly cut off and made it much, much shorter because I love wearing short stuff. And obviously the piece was totally destroyed and it went very well down at the party, but not very well when my mom got back from her trip and was utterly, utterly kind of shocked to see what I have done. But it's interesting that many years later, you know, when I achieved what I achieved, she said, okay, that so doesn't matter what happened to my pieces. An architecture student in Belgrade, Roxanda continued to be obsessed with fashion and dreamed of moving to London, where a generation of brilliant fashion talent was being fostered by the legendary professor Louise Wilson. Fashion wasn't such a promising thing back home, like in Belgrade. It was more like a niche. So I kind of ended up uh, enrolling myself to architecture, but I couldn't get away from fashion. And I was so passionate and so obsessed with fashion. I was literally reading back to front all the fashion magazines that were available. And I started to see the link between different designers that were very free-spirited and fashion-forward and moving fashion in this very unexpected and new direction, I started to realize that they're all coming from the same college. And then I started to read more about Sandra Sematis and learned about incredible Louise Wilson. And this almost became like my obsession, how to try to, to have interview there. And it was a wonderful experience because when I actually finally came to St. Martin's for my interview and walked through that door, even before seeing Louise, I felt that I'm almost like at home and and I felt that that's the place that I belong because it feels so familiar and feels like something that I know so, so well. The first time I met Louise was a um, very interesting moment because she was like, everything was um, incredible about her. Like, you know, there, there was this incredible aura of a strong personality the moment you enter the room. And um, and also this very witty sarcasm, like she loved to talk sarcastic and, and I just loved it. You know, she was always kind of making me smile and laugh. And uh, she was coming up with very kind of um, uh, interesting questions. And uh, I guess my portfolio was very, very different than what she was seeing here in London because I was coming more from art college, from architecture. So... My drawings were different. My designs were very different. They were offering something, I guess, um, unexpected. 
to it. She was shocked that I traveled all that distance to come to St. Martin's. And I, I feel that Louise was incredible visionary and that she had this eye to see the potentials of, of people and to really get into who you are before you knew who you are in a funny and interesting way. And I remember she just kind of used to kind of strip you almost down of all the prejudices and beliefs you had and almost kind of build your confidence uh, from scratch. I always saw London as, as this incredible, like a hub for um, fashion and ideas and young people, etc. But then once I came here, I started to feel obviously very, very lonely. I London is is a very, very hard city to live in. And I think it's, you know, thanks to that huge and incredible excitement that Louise was providing at St. Martin's that kind of kept me here and kept me going and kept me wanting to learn and to prove myself and to prove to her that um, she was right by taking me on. That year and a half that I spent on a St. Martin's definitely changed my life forever also made me realize who I am because what was so interesting that back home when I was trying to do fashion, it was almost rebelling against my heritage, a rebellion of maybe who I am, trying to do something in very, very different way than what you expect. Well, when I came here, I realized that I'm running away from things that maybe I love the most. That's when I, at St. Martin's, kind of started to build my language slowly but surely, of who I am still today. I, I don't think that much have changed. Yes, of course, I um, matured a lot as a designer. I grew up, I learned a lot. But that original DNA of loving the color, loving the shapes, loving the sleeves, you know, loving that beautiful dresses, that's, that's all still in my creations. Roxanda made her debut at London Fashion Week in 2005 with just 12 looks. Her bold colours, elegant shapes and huge sleeves may have taken the fashion scene by surprise initially, but the Roxanda dress soon became beloved by celebrities and women of style on the global stage. She became a red carpet go-to. It was a very hard journey and it's interesting when people see it and say, wow, you made it so quick or, you know, like you were just powering through. No, maybe that looks on the outside, but we all know that in order to win something, you, you get one win, but you have many, many losses or many lost battles behind that one victory. Coming to that moment in 2012 and receiving the award. So not just being nominated, you know, I was nom nominated before for like a new generation, but this almost felt that I'm starting to become established. But this particular year and that award meant so much to me because until then, the Red Carpet Awards is the category that would usually be given to to slightly bigger brand, uh, the company that um, had money to specially design them, specially made them for celebrities. And it was very unusual for a young designer to have so many red carpet dresses on so many incredible women. And there were so many women that were wearing me purely because they love what they see and they felt comfortable and beautiful. 
in my designs and, and also ready to be under magnifying glass later on with all the, you know, press and uh, all the different blogs and everybody else that were judging them how they look. It was, you know, Michelle Obama and Lady Gaga and Gwyneth Paltrow and Lauren Dern and Kira Knightley. And I think because I'm a woman, I always had that kind of female perspective on what a dress should do because I could see it myself. I could see it with my friends, what is needed in a time that we live in that is fast so that you don't always have time to change or go through zillion of, of options. You're like you need to find something that stands out, but at the same time, it's not standing out in a in a grassy way or shouty way, but it's standing out in beautiful, elegant and chic way and understated way. And that is something that I followed and I wanted to give women a certain soft power, a certain shelter, a certain protection. I think my conversation with my pieces was always about friendship that you have when you put a dress on with yourself, with the world around you. And, and I think that that's what women responded to. I think that they could feel that. I'm wearing this dress. This is uh, one of the shapes that became my signature shape. So it's kind of fitted in an upper bodice and has this beautiful kind of 50s inspired skirt. It's heavily embroidered in in very kind of graphic architectural embroidery, which I loved at the time. I mean, I, I still do. And it also has that kind of uh, color blocking. So the front is burgundy and the back is navy. It has humongous sleeves, like another thing that I'm so well known for, that kind of quite over-exaggerated shape. And I remember very clearly that I did not think that I'm going to win that award, not until they called my name on a stage. And I was in such a shock. I almost like a stumbled upon the stage. And then I could just feel this incredible amount of love that was coming from fashion scene at the time. And it was almost, you know, the moment that gave this stamp of approval to everything that I was doing, not just by people who wore me, but also by the fashion industry. And, uh, and I remember thanking, like many people, but also thanking the London for always kind of, you know, welcoming me with an open hand. In 2014, there was another milestone moment for Roxanda, the opening of her first store on London's glamorous Mount Street, a bold and brilliant design by Sir David Adjaye. For the former architecture student, it was a dream collaboration. But a few weeks before the opening event, she received the terrible news that her great mentor, Professor Louise Wilson, had passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. It was a big moment for me because I was um, after Nicholas Kirkwood, um, the first of uh, my peers to kind of be lucky to open the store. And I got my kind of uh, dream team with, with Sir David Ajay. This was definitely a moment that I could like tap myself on the shoulder and say, this is a really big, big milestone moment. And I remember like deciding to postpone and not to do it. Then I spoke with a few people who were very close to Louise Wilson and they said 
think what Louise would like you to do, and she certainly would not like you to not do it the way that it's meant to be. And I, I remember, I remember that you see even now, I remember it so clearly. So kind of sadly, she wasn't there to to kind of be proud and to come to the opening. But I don't know, I still feel she was somewhere above us watching and and cheering in a way. So I'm wearing the top that is made with this very sculpture architectural drape. And at that time, I was already known for, you know, my strong links with architecture. And I wanted to extend this in a, some stronger and more visible way in the clothing as well. And this is one of the pieces that is representing that. I wanted that top just to shine on its own. So, you know, I'm wearing it with a neutral black trousers and a black pumps. But the top is obviously in a bright colors, in, in blue and yellow, and all the women that came were wearing me as well. And to see them all in, you know, those wonderful bright colors wearing me and celebrating with me was definitely, definitely one of those moments that I guess I remember until the rest of my life. Uh, when I started doing my collections, there were not so many colorful collections around. And so people were still wearing mainly black and, you know, safe, like black and gray and beige and ivories. And to have a collection that is just like boldly and openly celebrating color was very, very unusual. I remember I had to fight for that color. I had lots of questions and talks. How do you bring, how do you wear color? How do you wear a colorful outfit? And, um, you know, how do you bring color into wardrobe? And, um, and I'm glad that I stay truthful to it and I just kind of stuck with it and continue doing it because this is one of the battles that was very very hard to win people were just very very cautious and didn't want to wear a color and it was very hard to sustain the business by having the color now an established fixture in London Fashion Week with an ever-growing army of A-list clients and superfans Roxanda continued to push her creations with ever more inventive and refined techniques and embellishments. And in 2016, another nomination at the British Fashion Awards. What did she wear? A lilac gown of organza pearls, like an exquisite piece of sculpture. It was a very special dress because it's actually one of uh, Roxanda Couture pieces. We only made limited, very, very small, limited uh, amount of those dresses because it was so difficult to make them, actually. They are made out of 5,000 organza pearls and they're actually pieces of organza that are specially cut and then with a special technique, they're made into this little pearls that are filled with air. The very, very time-consuming technique that I guess we probably invented because I, I never saw that particularly technique before. I think experimenting with the fabrics, finding new techniques, experimenting with the shapes as well, it's very, very important. I think that that moment is something that is uh, pushing fashion forward, pushing us as a humans to... to um, approach clothing with a slightly different perspective, more as art. And it's certainly probably the best, one of the best parts of my job, when you get that possibility to experiment and to create something totally, totally new. 
And apart from like myself being very proud of that particular piece in my collections, it's also a moment when I was for the first time nominated for Designer of the Year awards. And it's certainly a moment when you actually realize that you're nominated for such a great achievement that even if you don't win it, it's still a huge, huge moment and milestone in, in this case, my life. Sadly, 2016 brought another loss. Richard Nickel, one of Roxander's dearest friends, whom she met while studying at Central St. Martins, passed away, devastating the London fashion community. In honour of his memory, Roxander orchestrated the most beautiful and lasting tribute to his life and work. She created a Pantone colour in his name, Nickel Blue. Richard was a very important person in my life. I met him way back when I was still studying St. Martin's. And, and that moment when I met him is still so vivid in my head and my heart because he was one of the people that immediately when you meet him, you get a certain bond because this he had this incredible beauty, not just outside, but particularly inside. And I And I think when you see that combination of that incredible passion and love that he had for his friends and and other humans in general. I think since that first moment, we bonded together and, you know, remained friends for a very, very, very long time. I think that the loss that we all personally feel is huge and it's also just as huge the loss that British fashion weeks and British fashion in general had after he very sadly and very suddenly passed away and we developed this special color called nickel blue and it was based on color favorite color that Richie loved and i really wanted to do something personal so as a starting of my show when uh, incredible michael neiman was playing live on a piano i had a girl dressed in that particular blue head to toe, the boots were matching as well. And it was it was very, very sad moment. But I kind of felt he was there like Louise somewhere. I think it's important to remember people like this and to celebrate them. And that they live through us, through our stories and through everything that they meant to us, everything they achieve. I think it's important that that story continues. And I think that that comradeship, that that love for the peer group, it's very positive because we are here only once and we are not here to compete to with each other, uh, making each other's lives harder. The life is already hard enough. Roxander met her husband Philip in her early days in London when she first found her tribe. And like her mother, he has supported Roxander on every step of her journey, from her tiny East London studio to dressing the world's most extraordinary women. It was very interesting when I met him because it was one of those moments when you meet somebody and you kind of feel immediate connection, which very rarely happens with me. He was so incredibly charming and eloquent that, uh, and funny that I remember that we just kind of kept laughing the whole evening. So I, I was lucky enough, I must say, to 
have uh, met him. And then we got engaged and that engagement ring is something very, very special because I didn't have opportunity to actually go to Paris before. And Paris was my mom's favorite city that she used to visit so many times. And she was devastated that I chose to come and study in London instead of Paris. And we we went together to Paris and I obviously fell in love in a city and engagement ring is vintage piece for one of the stores that we discovered in a Rue Saint-Honoré. Um, that ring is the beginning of a new life in a way. It's a beginning of, of a life as a team when you are, when you two become one. <laughs> the ring has a beautiful square emerald in the middle and it, it's having like a little square diamonds that are almost kind of on the edges of of this gorgeous green green emerald and uh, it has very unusual setting it's from 1950s and it's just very very exquisite we have slightly different tradition in serbia regarding on which hand the rings are worn so engagement ring is worn on the left hand because it's considered that that comes straight from the heart and then later on a uh, marriage band is worn worn on the right hand so that's how I still wear them. And it's interesting that people sometimes get confused. Like my mom, who always supported me in, in you know, my desires to become fashion designer, Phil, Phil was another person that had a total and utter understanding of what I wanted to do because starting fashion business and starting it from scratch, it's very hard and obviously takes lots of time and lots of hours. And and uh, it's a big commitment with um with very, again, that leaves you very little time for yourself or for your husband or for anybody else. So, um, you know, he was very, very supportive and I definitely wouldn't achieve this and wouldn't be here if he didn't have uh, such understanding and, and patience as well. Roxanda and her husband have a daughter, Ephemia. Her christening in Belgrade was an important celebration, bringing two families and two cultures together. So uh, my daughter christening happened in Belgrade and what I wanted to do, because obviously I'm married here and I, we are living here and my daughter is being brought up here. And I wanted just to kind of reinstall where she come from, her heritage. And I think it was this wonderful occasion when we celebrated together with the same amount of love and excitement and this this beautiful christening gown it's it's beautiful Victorian vintage uh, white gown, as normally they usually are, uh, embroidered with lots of lace, and uh, it's made in cotton voile. And it's something that I really, really wanted to use in this ceremony because I actually wanted to merge uh, the cultures of both backgrounds, my and my husband's. So our culture, our religions, our backgrounds, our customs. I think before being a mother, your world involves and uh, involves around different things, around obviously your work, your achievements, your friends, your family. And I think you don't know what you are not experiencing until you experience it. And once you become a mother, you actually realize that that's actually probably the most pure love, the, the love that mother feels towards her daughter or her sons. And 
at least in, in my experience, no, nothing can match it in a way. In these uncertain and unsettling times, finding joy and a little escapism through our clothes can bring unexpected comfort. So uh, this is the piece that was designed for my Spring Summer 20 collection. It's a cotton jumpsuit, loose kind of fit, really, really easy piece, really effortless, really loungy and not in my worst nightmares, I would think that this piece would have such a positive effect in such a negative times. We are living in this strange reality, um, you know, locked in our homes, um, looking at devastating news happening every day. And this particular piece has brought so much happiness to my life in quarantine. You know, just wearing it around the house uh, would make me feel a little bit better. And this brings me back to what fashion really is. You know, it is it is something that is there to give you certain joy, to elevate you, to elevate your spirits, to protect you, to help you. And that's why this piece, very strangely but very rightly so, has found peace in my seven most important pieces because this is reality and fashion is there to hopefully make it better. Roxanda has a final thought about resilience. For me... It has taught me a lot about resilience. I, I think it's important never to give up, really. In, in the hardest circumstances, it is, it's important never to give up. And always to be optimistic. I think that optimism is very, very important. Um, I think that's what keeps um, our dreams going. That's what makes the goals. Um, and it you know, what makes reality as well. So it's important to be resilient. It's important to be optimistic. And it's important to be giving as well. When you meet Roxanda in person, she is as elegant and powerful as you might expect from her incredible designs. Of course, the conversation for this episode was recorded from our respective homes. But I found Roxanda's observations very profound and very moving. She reminded me just how important the openness of London is as a cultural melting pot for fashion and creativity. She also reminded me of how formative and life-changing an incredible teacher or mentor can be, something we all need to remember at this time of social isolation. And of course, I loved talking about the power and the glory of the Roxanda dress. I remember the first time I saw one of her collections in an East End showroom. Couture fabrics, neon brights, scuba zips down the back. Revolutionary. A few years on, I now have a Roxander dress in my own collection and it never fails to work its magic. That feeling of comfort, protection and spirit-lifting joy. Roxander, thank you for sharing your pieces of me. Head to netaporte slash porterpodcasts slash pieces of me to see pictures of the pieces Roxanda discussed today. This is the final episode in our first series of Pieces of Me. 
Thank you so much to the incredible women who have participated and thank you to you, the listeners. For incredible women and incredible fashion every day, visit us at netaporte.com and to listen, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Pieces of Me was brought to you by Porter and Chalk and Blade. Presented by Sarah Bailey and produced by Laura Hyde. The executive producer was Ruth Barnes. Original music for the series by Jack Lake and B. Parks. <laughs>